How's it going, Lee? Hey, Gabe. We are back. We're back. We're back and we're better. After a two-week break. Yes. There was uh, some other things I, I personally need to attend to, so I appreciate the the patience on your end and the patience on patience. We, yeah, we just uh, had to work on the confirmations. Yeah, we had to plan out and confirm and then confirm on the plans. Confirm on the plans, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard work. What it's we like do? A, it's like a bureaucracy. It's like a bureaucracy. We have red tape. We have to go through even amongst ourselves. Can you believe that? I think some people will understand the or get the reference. I hope so. Depending on age, right? Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> so we are we are back. We are here to discuss Rule Two. Um, our last episode was with the rugged gospel, um, Jesus Prado. We were dis- we discussed SB one forty five and human trafficking and whatnot. So hope um, hope for those who listen to it, enjoy that one. But we're back with the book review, uh, rule two of twelve rules for life. It is treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Initial thoughts, Lee. No, not enough of us take care of ourselves adequately. Sorry, I missed it. What was the first part? Not. Not enough of us take care of ourselves adequately. That's perfect. All right, and we're done. That's a wrap. <laughs> done. No, that's a, that's a great summation of the chapter, but also I think a lot of times people forget how important it is to, you know, the, the, the what is it called? The cool phrase nowadays is self-care, I think it is. Um, I think it's called self-care. That's kind of like a thing, that, especially where I work at. You know, make sure you, you do self-care and make sure you take time off or whatnot. That, that's what the cool kids are saying now? That's what I was trying to think of, yeah. Cool kids. Cool kids are saying self-care, oh, something no, like that. I'm just getting too old. I might be getting it wrong. I thought it was always uh, do you. Do you, boo. Yeah, do you. something like that. Yeah. While I do me, you do you. Or... Or what's the other one from Parks and Rec? Treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Treat yourself. So, not, so a, not enough of that. Not enough of that. But I think more, um, I would say that's, that's like at the surface level, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Peterson and the ideas in, in this chapter, as he gets into it later on, deal with um, Genesis and deals with Adam and Eve and... Um, Let's see how he puts it specifically. Maybe we can start there because I think that's, for me, the important part because then that lays out the groundwork for everything else, right? Just as um, as we know about scriptures is that everything essentially starts there, sets the groundwork for the rest of scriptures. So what was I going to say? I'm missing I'm missing my, my thoughts here, but it's okay. Which... Which part specifically as far as Adam and Eve is concerned with God? That's a great question. Essentially, what, it's, what, what he's getting, with, uh, getting at there is the fall, right? He listens to, um, Eve listens to um, Satan, um, which in, in, that, in the Genesis context was a snake within the garden, right? So this gets to the idea of like, innate evil, right? Good and evil, good versus evil. Um, he talks about Freud. He talks about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, about 
the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. So this gets the crux of why it is, as he mentions earlier about, you know, humans are less likely to take their own medication, but more than likely to, to provide, you know, care for their animals, mm-hmm. whether it's medication or whatnot. Um, so I think for, if you don't mind, if we can start here in this section, because I think this is really at the bottom of all this. Sure. So I don't know if you had any anything highlight or anything that stood out to you. I mean, all of it's really, really good. So the, the section's called The Garden of Eden, and he goes into um, the difference between Genesis 1, 2, and, and 3, I believe, or 1 and 2, where he says here, um, Genesis 1, recounting the emergence of order from chaos comes the second, even more ancient Jawist part, beginning essentially with Genesis 2. The Jawist account, which uses the name Yahweh, or Jawi, uh to represent God, contains the story of Adam and Eve, along with a much fuller explication of the events of the sixth day alluded to in the previous priestly story. So he, he um, basically differentiates Genesis 1 as the priestly story, and then Genesis 2 as the Yahweh, right, account. Jawist mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. I've never really heard of this before, and I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Those separate accounts, if you will. As far as the Jawist and the priestly, yeah, the difference. Are you familiar with that? I, I, honestly, I'm not. No. Okay, so we can't really say much on that. That's fine. Because I was I wasn't sure about it either. Um, so then here, um, for those who don't know, in Genesis one two. Well, I guess Genesis 1, it's more of God creating um, the heavens, the earth, the firmament, the animals, everything. And then Genesis 2, he creates Adam and Eve, right? Specifically on the sixth day. And then in Genesis 3, we get into the fall where Satan deceives Eve into eating from uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. Um Basically, the the what is called the original lie is that we can be as God, and so that's really interesting if you think about it. And within this chapter, he talks about treat yourself as though you are some you are responsible, like someone you are responsible for helping. So he alludes to the fall, right? Which the original lie is that we can be as God, but because we are not. We're not capable of treating ourselves properly, in a sense, because we are operating in a fallen state, right? So it's a, it. I was trying. I'm hopefully this makes sense so that way. This helps the conversation. I think this for me is like the most um, profound part of the of Genesis two, but also or Genesis three, and then this chapter in that. I think all humanity feels that, like um, undeserving of anything good or basically of, of treating or of basically um, taking care of yourself properly. So I think that I think that's why I want to start here, because I think that for me is like what I feel or what I um, connect to the most in, in this rule is that it's hard to like. Feel good. I guess it's not like it's hard to feel good by yourself, but you always feel like 
lacking. So when anything good happens or, you know, if you get a compliment and whatnot, like you try to like brush it off in a sense. So I thought that was um, very, very interesting and very profound, if you will. So that's where I was. Those are my initial thoughts mm-hmm. to kind of hopefully get the conversation started on that from that point. So you, you think it's more or less, I should say, that we're not enabled to take care of ourselves? Like we don't have the capacity to completely meet all of our needs? Yes. Per se? Yes. Hmm. I that's, think that's, I think we can try. That's that's post fall of, of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Or of Eden. Yeah, because if it, it's interesting because what we've been going through recently with Bible study and in Bible study is the idea that and what we've been discussing in Bible study in general is that we are completely dependent on God. Right? Because I think there's a verse that says that without me, you are nothing or something like that because we are just of dust. We are from dust, right? From dust to dust. So I think that's part of this story as well or like part of this idea of people not treating ourselves, people not treating themselves properly. But then where it gets complicated is the fact that we do have the image of God. We were made in the image and likeness of God. So he mentions this as well. And, and I think that's the, the, the counterpoint, right? Is that we should treat ourselves and others knowing that we do have that spark of divinity within us and other, and others have it within themselves as well. Right. So we can't, I guess the way, another way to put it, because we've come out of the creator Right, we're completely reliant on the re- on the Creator. Yeah. So our our own life and our own being, like you're saying, the image, uh, it was drawn out of Him as God Creator. So when we try to remove Him out of the equation, that's when things get really complicated. Whether that's how you do life, that's how you believe, or that's how you act. But either way, that that's not gonna. It's not going to produce a lot of good fruit. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. So I was listening today. I was listening to, uh, real quick, I was listening to R.C. Sproul. And he was touching on that very idea by saying that we're beings or we, we, we are a being. But what sets us, sets us apart from God is that all things are flowing out of him. And that. He is unchanging, and we are changing. Right. You yeah. look at pictures of yourself from five or ten years ago, and you probably don't look the same. You've probably gone through some pretty significant changes, you know, physically speaking, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But uh, his whole point was, and he even kind of he even brought it to into the idea of of uh, creation. Right, saying that all creation, all life, it has to flow out of being. It's not just going to come in and of itself. It's not going to come together on its own. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, because he's like, you know, a lot of people want to talk about how do you prove the existence of God? And his whole, his whole point was like, how do you, how can you have anything come out of a void? It has to be drawn out of a being. 
It's the idea that nothing came from no, nothing. Nothing comes from nothing, yeah. right? Rather, it's it's something came from something. It's the yeah the the invisible world created the visible world. Right. Yeah. It's just that you know with the Big Bang, they're saying it a little differently. They're not they're not able to connect certain dots. Well, they're saying what they're saying is uh, what <clears throat> I think I mentioned to you is and what um, Pastor Alexeo has been um, underlining or highlighting is that like Genesis one is like the overview. It's like all, it's like the big picture. It's the macro. And then Genesis two is the details of what happened within that bigger picture. So what I look at science as is, is that idea of it's looking at, looking at those specifics even more deeply in a sense because I think for us, it's hard to grasp the macro mm-hmm. because then our, our understanding, our knowledge hits a limit. And that's, that's where faith and God come into the picture exactly in a where, sense. So exactly where R.C. Sproul is coming from too. Yeah. Our human capacity, it's just beyond us. Because people say what science is, um, science and religion are always uh, against each other. But I think, I look at it as more complementary. Right. They're they're examining the same things in essence. And even R. C. Sproul was saying, you know, when he's talked to people in the scientific community, you know, his his question's always, Well, how far back can you guys go? And, you know, it's we can go all the way back to the beginning. And that's when he throws in the question of why why haven't you guys gone beyond the beginning? further back before the beginning because <laughs> like, how come no one's questioning that part of right it? yeah that's a good point if there's, there's a beginning well what started the beginning right where that's the, interesting where did the where did the beginning come from that's a great point yeah huh i never really thought about that way i think who said it? i think um what's his name he just passed away ravi Mm-hmm. I think he had a very similar point as well. I think he he said it, all, you know, very eloquently. So I, I'm not I'm not able to pull from what he said, but essentially it's that same that same point. This is a poor man's show, folks. This it's very the, much yeah. This is the slowing. This is a, we're very low income here. This isn't the eloquent intellectual show. Nope, not at all. <laughs> okay, well here we go. This is a great. Uh, that's a great segue back into the book because if we look at uh, page 34, um, he talks about, Peterson talks about this very idea of, of scientific truths and the scientific method. So here he says, scientific truths were made explicit a mere 500 years ago with the work of Francis Bacon, Rene Descartes, and Isaac Newton. In whatever manner our forebears viewed the world prior to that, it was not through a scientific lens any more than they could view the moon and the stars through the glass lenses of the equally recent telescope. And then I highlighted this point. Because we are so scientific now and so determinedly materialistic, it is very difficult for us to even understand that other ways of seeing can and do exist. But those who existed during the distant time in which the foundational epics of our culture culture emerged were much more concerned with the actions that dictated survival and with interpreting the world in a manner commensurate with that goal than with anything approximating what we now understand as objective truth. 
So it's, it's that very same idea, right? Yeah, and it's interesting the way you put it about being materialistic. I think that's, that's that's the key, right? That's our well, our downfall, right? Because he's saying that that's now uh, how things are determined, right? Scientifically, it's the, through the material world, but in actuality, I don't know. Just I guess just you hearing you say that that line uh, just made me think of like, well, wait a minute, like there's so much that goes on in the unseen that's tangible because it's we see it but how many people actually know how bluetooth and wi-fi works right same idea or digital currency or even you know sound waves and and notes being hit on a piano or or chords or or you know on a guitar like how we i guess we just kind of just dismiss it I think it's it's the idea that, or it, it because it operates, it's so commonplace. Rather, we don't even think about it. It's like routine. In the same way we have routines, we don't think about what we're doing. Just take it for granted, right? You're taking for granted. Your cell phone's talking to some satellite that has to talk right. to another. You know, information's flying through the air, right? And we don't even see that. It's not tangible. And this is why, right? This is why people say the internet or social media isn't real life. Right. Yeah. And I think that's important. I think that's really, really important to realize is that everything that happens on the internet and, you know, which, which is why we have a, uh, I guess you could say we have, a, we have arguments around like disinformation, you know, fact checking and whatnot. Right. And the reason why we have so many debates or arguments is that people are confusing the facts for the truth. And mm. I think a lot of times people rely on, on facts rather than truth. Mm. Like my, my argument is always, or like my, um, what is it called? Metaphor, if you will, is there's a car accident and both drivers blame the other person. So their facts are very different. They're, they contradict one another. The truth is, is that there was a car accident. Somebody ran the red. Somebody ran the red, exactly. Or not. It could just be like... They um, both had the red? They both had the red, I they guess. They both had the yellow? Yeah, like it was a weird accident. Could, it could, you know, there's some kind of malfunction. So to me, that's what I'm thinking, when I think about like fact versus truth, right? Mm. The truth is what people don't see it's it's what faith is made of is is made of that truth so people don't see that what they see is the facts they see the material world they see if you will the science that that we now rely on mm-hmm. i know this is getting very meta and very philosophical but i can't help it you're talking to people that can't even see us what do you mean that's very true they can't see us but they can hear us isn't that they're, weird they're just trusting that this happened at some point in time and they're now this listening to it and it's real and it's genuine and this is actually what we think and what we're saying that's very meta dude i'm glad you i'm glad you entered my world i hope i hope somebody's listening to this on a thursday at 7:48 in the evening on a uh, on what is it or thursday Sep- september 24th November 24th September 24th. No one will ever have that opportunity unless they have a time machine. Which. Wait, would that would that work? Yes, it would. Yeah, it would. Let me take this iPod with. A grain of salt? 
a grain of thyme salt? No, 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 no. I was gonna say, and we're starting to get really silly. I know, Sorry. yeah. I was gonna say, I'm gonna take the let me take this here iPod and go into a time machine with this here episode number 36 of the the Gabriel and Lee crosses on the roads show with me, so I can listen to it when they actually recorded it. Boom. Wouldn't that just mess up the timeline and then everything? No, because it's on the iPod. Oh, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're wasting people's time. Mar- what is this, Ricky and Morty show right here? No, it's Back to the Future. Back to the Future. That's a great trilogy, by the way. I think it's underrated. The so, trilogy itself. All three. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff for yeah. an 80s movie. What's that car called again? The DeLorean? The DeLorean. It'd be cool to have one. So, um, to kind of ground the conversation a little bit, the DeLorean, the DeLorean, um, we can we can jump around. But I think this another this was another point that I uh, highlighted here. Uh, he says here on the next section, being was understood as a place of action, not a place of things. It was understood as something more akin to a story or a drama. That story or drama was lived, subjective experience as it manifested itself moment to moment in the consciousness consciousness of every living person. So this gets to the idea that, you know, we all have a lived experience and I'm going to speak my truth from my lived experience, which is kind of annoying to be honest, but in, in this idea that, you know, we all, we all have a story, right? We all have a beginning, middle and end. And by the way, the end is death, but you know, we don't have to get to that yet. But the idea is that, because we all have subjective experience, we're all um, living out that story based on our own individual. Everyone's a story. Exactly. Yeah. So then this gets into the idea of like the scriptures and the stories around scripture and the different characters, if you will, of of those stories and the context around them. And, you know, the then the those subjective experiences that they're dealing with which is why there are those archetypes. I think we talked about where rule one talks about those archetypes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into, um, in the next section, I don't know if you had anything there, but I just wanted to point that part out before the dawn of scientific worldview. Uh, the domain of, uh, it says the, 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 the Oh, the se- oh, the actual section. Sorry, yeah. I meant paragraph. Oh, no. Oh, do you want... Oh, actually, before we go to that next uh, point, here he says, pain matters more than matter matters. It is for this reason I believe that so many of the world's traditions regarding regard the suffering attendant upon existence as the irreducible truth of being. Right? So, as you live out that subjective experience, pain matters more than matter matters. So, basically... Um, suffering right and then genesis three or four says to god curses man and woman to mm-hmm. say here are your punishments so that point very very much aligns and makes a lot of sense yeah he he's breaking down pain and what i took from it is that him saying he said it before elsewhere too and i know others have said it but essentially that life is suffering and that's one of the things that actually connects us to each other. Right. We all were able to relate and connect and 
like you said, very familiar with pain. Share these lived experiences with each other. Wittgenstein um, wrote a book, I believe, on the idea of pain. I think his point was that the only thing that was real in life was pain itself. That there was no mm. way of arguing out of existence, essentially. So you can read that if you like. Wittgenstein there. Um, I forget his full name, but Wittgenstein with the W, by the way. Wittgenstein. Wittgenstein. So, so uh, here Peterson is, when he's talking about pain and suffering, right? He says, our eternal interaction with chaos and order is what drives us to despair and to no longer care for ourselves properly. Right? Because later on, he's going to go into the yin and yang, chaos and order, and how meaning comes about in our lives when we have one foot in chaos and one foot in order, and that it's a matter of balance. Because these two things are always interacting with us, no matter what. And that's when later on, he, he goes in explaining that too much chaos, right? What is what does too much chaos look like? Too much chaos looks like um, me uh, a nihilism. It's too much freedom, right? It's too much. Yeah, he says right here, and chaos is freedom, dreadful freedom. Right. While while order, too much order is going to look like tyranny. It's going to look. He says that's where the concentration camps come from that's where the goose step you know in these uh authoritarian governments come from where the it's gulags. there's just too much rules because you know they have there's too many laws for right to jail if <laughs> you don't. so many things so yeah so so it's interesting that he's saying like these two things are always happening in life and it's a matter of understanding the balance between the two that you can't have one without the other in order for you to find the the truth, like you're talking about truth earlier versus facts, you're going to find the, I guess, no, it sounds cliched, but the silver lining between. Right. Yeah. This is, this lived experience has happened before. This is nothing new because that's what Solomon's going to say. Solomon's going to say there's nothing new under the sun. So originality is really hard to come by. Like you said, this is where the the um, the uh, storylines or the archetypes. This is where the it has even more meaning. It has even more truth because you're reading scripture and you're reading about you know this king or that king or this interaction with this person, and you realize, oh, this is a thousand. You know how many thousands of years later, and we're still struggling with the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're still feeling the same feelings. Still, still dealing with the same emotions and what have you. We're right. still, we still interact in the same manner. Yeah, I think that's. I think he he. I think he outlines it in rule rule one. Um, but basically, that order and chaos are constituent elements of reality. That. They just exist. They are mm-hmm. neither good or bad or, or or have hold any value in and of themselves. It's just how life is. You're in order when you know, you know, when you're in your home, when you, you're in a marriage and, you know, things are going as you plan. And then chaos is when things are turned upside down and you don't know where you are. So we find ourselves... Uh, Osculating between those realities, mm-hmm. and it's it's a balance, as you said, and 
and the idea behind, you know, the way of, you know, the straight and narrow path that Jesus talks about in the New Testament, but also, um, not but also, but, uh, and also the idea that out of the chaos, we find the, that truth, the, the, what is it? Um, the light or the darkness couldn't, couldn't distinguish or comprehend the light, right? So it's the same idea that despite there being chaos, the order, so chaos is, is the unknown. It's, it's what was at the beginning. And then order is what God was able to establish by speaking, speak, pulling or speaking out that order from the chaos. So it's, it's basically chaos is the, what's that? When you pull out a bunch of things from the, the chest, the treasure chest, it's kind of like this endless supply of what's Mary Poppins, right? She has mm. all these different, you know, objects within that, whatever her bag was, right? It's that same idea in that sense. Like it's just endless supply of, of potential and, and novelty, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's all I was going to say, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, like you were saying when when uh, us diving into chaos or darkness or facing these things, you know, like the the example he uses is when Pinocchio becomes when is it when is the point where Pinocchio becomes a real boy? I want to be a real boy like that. Yeah, is it when was it the? It's not the fairy godmother. The, Essentially, uh, okay, yeah, I'm I'm blanking on here, but the fairy godmother when is, is it when he when he when she turns him into an actual real boy, or is it when like Peterson's saying when is it or is it when he dives voluntarily into chaos into darkness and he faces Monstro the the whale? That's a good question because that's where he's saying that's where. It says here, if I could read it real fast, uh, the journey into ca- into sorry, the journey into darkness and rescue is the most difficult thing a puppet must do. If he must, if he wants to be real, if he wants to extract himself from the temptations of deceit and acting the victimization and impulsive pleasure and totalitarian subjugation. This is uh, page thirty-seven. Oh, cool. if he wants to take his place as a genuine being in the world. So it's other, in other words, right? At some point, or another, you have to, you have to look, you have to look at chaos and darkness in the eyes. Right. It has to be. It has to be confronted. You have to deal with the chaos. Yeah. And it's better to do it voluntarily. Yes. It's much preferred. Right, because then he's also going to say that's where courage comes about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that kind of looping back in what we started with and that with that we we all are operating out of this fallen state, which comes from the original lie that we can be as gods knowing good and evil. And we were cursed with, you know, men with the sweat of their eyebrows and thorns and thistles, women with um barren children. So my point there is that we've been, I guess you could say, cursed with the chaos within ourselves, right? So you have like the chaos that exists externally in in the social the social world, 
But then we also have the internal chaos, which is the, the internal snake that he talks about in that same section. So it's dealing with, with our own beings, which later on he'll have a rule about, you know, clean your own room, which is also not just your physical space, but your psychological and spiritual, spiritual spaces, I guess you can say, or, um, entities or whatnot. So I think that's another important, important idea is that like, I think he talks about it here is that like order and chaos are like stacked. You know, you have order within chaos, within order, within chaos. It's like a hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the hierarchy that he talks about in rule one. Right. So as we are trying to find territory that is suitable for our success, right. When we want to mate, when we, when we're looking for a career, when we're, we're trying to find success, we're trying to establish ourselves within that hierarchy. So it's like the vertical and then the, the Y axis, I guess, or mm-hmm. the X and then the, the Y axis or the X axis can be the order chaos, um, that we find ourselves in at all times. Mm-hmm. So as, as we try to maneuver or um, manage through this hierarchies, we're dealing with that order and chaos within ourselves and within that hierarchy. I know I went a little meta, but I'm, I'm, I think what I'm seeing is that like rule one deals with those hierarchies. Rule two is dealing with that chaos and order, the, the male-female um, mm-hmm. dichotomy. And it's within the chaos that we find the true potential that we find that spark of divinity, mm-hmm. which is really a strange idea that that's where we find that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or am I losing you here? No, it's just like the way he describes chaos and order, right? One of them is masculine. One of them is feminine. Mm-hmm. And I know people have their issues trying to work their way around that and understand it. But essentially saying chaos is essentially potential. It's creativity. That's where life comes from. Right. And it's understanding order, on the other hand, is explored territory. It's a map that you've already read, that you already know. That's why you know the understanding of there has to be a balance between the two and that there can be a both positive and a negative. Within both, each. Yeah. Within each with, with with both both sides, I guess I kind of, I kind of see it too as as if you look at the family dynamic, and how a child needs both a father and a mother, right? Because they fulfill different different needs, different roles in their lives, right? Because the mom might say, "Well, if you're going to go on a bike, you're going to have to wear a helmet." Because you're going to fall, you're going to you know, hurt yourself. Hurt yourself yeah. and whereas it, it, it's probably going to happen. You're probably going to ride your bike and you're probably going to get, you're going to get hurt eventually. Right? And the idea is being that dad's helping you with the training wheels. Dad's the one helping you, you know, get up when you fall and saying, hey, you're fine. Go back, go back and do it again. You know, this time. Try doing this instead of that. It's sort of like, but then, okay, so it's important to point out that the masculine femininity um, or masculine and male and female or masculine and masculine and femininity 
exists within male and female, man and woman, if you will. Right. And then women skew a little bit more towards the femininity. Of course, there's, you know, variations. And then men skew towards the masculinity. So men are trying to, in a sense, on a general basis, create the order, right? They're trying to um, establish order within the home, but also in, in a very strange way, like push their children to continue um, pushing themselves beyond that point, which is weird. I don't know. Well, remember, he's going to say that the ideal is like a judgmental father, mm-hmm. right? The ideal is always telling you, yeah, but you can do better. Right. You're not good enough. You're not good enough yet. Where you are right keep, now. Keep trying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not necessarily because I was thinking about like that the father would be pushing their children to to push the boundaries of of the chaos or towards that chaos. But then that isn't well, they, they it does fit because, you know, again, there's order and chaos within all of us. So, yeah. So it's this way, right? It's fathers would simultaneously want to be, let's say, the the ideal, right? So they're judgmenting, they're they're being judgmental of their children, if you will, and trying to like, you know, establish order within the home. Maybe be the um, the one that punishes the children, or is the um, what is it called? Like the bad cop? Good cop, bad cop. And then the wife or the mother could be the one that's trying to protect and be more of the caregiver or like a caregiver type role. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, I'm, I'm confusing myself now. No, well, it, We're talking, yeah, we're just, I guess we're just talking about generalities, but yeah, I've known of couples where the dad is actually the nurturing one and the mom is the, you know, tyrant of the house. Yeah. So to speak. Oh yeah. It definitely it, can it, happen. It happens. It just depending on personality, but Either way, it works because both roles are being filled. They're right. Being, they're being fulfilled. There's that balance again. Exactly. You got something in there, sir? Uh, I'm just reading about the chaos and order as, as far as their personalities are concerned. Okay, so 38, 39? Yeah. Yeah, so here um, he talks about in this section right here, the third paragraph, I believe, or the fourth. The personalities we have involved to perceive have been around in predictable form and in typical hierarchical configurations forever for all intents and purposes. They have been male or female, for example, for a billion years. That's a long time. The division of life into its twin sexes occurred between the evolution of multicellular animals. It was in a still respectable one-fifth of that time that mammals who take extensive care of their young emerged. Thus, the category of parent and or child has been around for 200 million years. That's longer than birds have existed. That's longer than flowers have grown. It's not a billion years, but it's still a very long time. It's plenty long enough for male and female and parent and child to serve as vital and fundamental parts of the environment to which we have adapted. This means that male and female and parent and child are categories for us, natural categories, deeply embedded in our perceptual, emotional, and motivational structures. So, that's important to realize. Which I think it's safe to say that today in today's culture, that's not the norm on a, a, maybe on a, um, not on a, on the grand scale, but it's 
starting to creep into more the grand scale of, of our culture and society. And so to go against 200 million years of established um, fundamental emotional and motivational structures is to essentially go against what God has created, which is very important to realize. Right. And, and right before that, he's talking about how for the longest time, yeah, our perception of things were us giving them personalities in, this, in the paragraph before that, in the beginning. Oh, that's right. And how we didn't see things just as objects. Right. Everything had meaning. Oh, like the like what indigenous or native, more however you want to label, they saw everything with like spirits, right? There was right. There was a certain level of uh, sacred yeah. sacredness yeah. or re- respect. Yeah, I guess another way to put it too, as far as everything that's around you was something that needed to be cons- honored, honored, considered mm-hmm. worth you know worth dignity and. It's a yeah. So in that sense, it's a very different mind frame from what he was saying earlier about we see things as material, materialistic. Um, well, how does Joe Rogan say it? The woo woo or which one? Joe Rogan. He says like all that stuff is like woo woo or something like that. Woo woo or is it woo woo or he says it like kind of like making fun of it, poking fun of it. Oh, like that spiritual stuff. He oh. like. He'll say that's like woo woo, right? I don't know how he says it, but <laughs> but there's people who who think think that. Joe, when you hear this, hit us up. What are yeah. you talking about? What up, bro? <laughs> Have us on. <laughs> we don't know anything. No. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. There's there was personalities. Everything was right. The the ancestors, the the trees, and everything was um, taken into consideration. Essentially, you know the animals gave them life and right. they respected that because that. that's a very different perspective or approach to life itself if right if we understand ourselves as as a being as beings and and seeing the the life or the 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 meaning in in everything else and everyone around us too right it's going to be a lot easier to be your brother's keeper mm. in that sense because right. you know not stealing from him, right? No, no uh, lying, not lying to him. That's already ingrained. If if the point of view is, you know, from a being standpoint of there's there's meaning behind not just this person's life, but everything around him. Uh, there has this, there's a significance there. Right. Yeah. It's like personal property makes more sense. Well, right? it's, it's understanding that personal property flows out of being out of yourself whether that's something you worked for something you you know you had to study for the person you, you married not that people uh, are property but well if 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 i was kind of making that point earlier this week right that yeah in the biblical sense the only person that you belong to like and peterson even talks about this you know the parent and child dynamic as far as children are concerned, like you are your parents' child, they're, right? They're there to raise you, right? To rear you, and in the same mind frame of husband and wife, what other institution are you in front of? You know, witnesses, 
in front of in some people a court and you're making a covenant hmm. with somebody else like that that doesn't i mean maybe i'm wrong but that doesn't exist anywhere else anywhere else as far as a human interaction or human society i guess you could say um for those who give their life to Christ, that would be the right. primary. Right. Right. That's kind of like the first. Because there's contracts. Yeah. But a contract is not the same thing as a covenant. Right. It's, 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 you can't, you can't. Contra- um, contracts are agreements that right. are, are like. A covenant is, is, contracts can be broken essentially, right? Is what you're stating. There's parameters for where and, hey, if you don't do this, then we, you know, it's a breach of contract and we can get out of it and this other person, this other party would be compensated or what have you. But in the eyes of God, that wasn't the idea behind something like marriage. Right. Covenant, yeah, that's covenant so were true. not supposed to be broken. Right. Yeah. There was no, like... There's cl- no way out. Claws out. Yeah. You know, to opt out or to... There's no prenuptial, what is it called? Prenuptial. Prenuptial agreement. Prenuptial, how do you say it? Prenuptial agreement. Blah, blah. Right, so in God's eyes, there's certain things that he created or he established, rather, that put these things in motion. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Because it's it's kind of exactly what we're talking about. Well, think about it. Uh, uh, I think you're making this point, too. And I didn't mean that husbands and wives are each other's property, but the idea of like not stealing, right? So God would say that um, not to... Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet, but also the other one where you sleep with the other person when you you're shall married. not commit adultery. There you go, adultery. So, He's sen- saying it more than once and for different areas in their life, but he, it's, it's going back to the same thing. It's, this, it's the same idea of like don't steal, don't covet. Especially if it's you know you're you're it's a married a couple and you commit adultery like the punishment is death you're, for both parties so right. FYI you're supposed to be your brother's keeper and look out for each other right again right respect or we should be respective persons in a sense even though God is not because we're not God because we we're not God we can't be that's a deceit right we we can be like God just give me all the votes and give me all the power and I'll figure right. it out right yeah I'm not qualified to run a, a government or an economy but I'll figure it out <laughs> I'll I'll here's my plan in my first hundred days I know the best people just give me the best people I know them all <laughs> <laughs> we're I gonna know, look at it strongly I know people I know the best ones <laughs> trust me believe me we're gonna get it done okay in the first <laughs> ten days <laughs> what <laughs> I don't need a hundred days. I just need ten. Just give me ten. <laughs> Look what I did in three years. <laughs> this is where we get silly, huh? Well, if you look into it, people are mad. You gotta look into it, bro. I'll, I'll just stop there. Because <laughs> if you don't look into it, right to jail. Right to jail. Right away. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff here. So, um, to try to roughly transition back. Really rough. Oh, that's a rough transition. So uh, it's really hard to kind of discuss in length, really, about this chaos and order um, idea. But essentially, if you will, um, he goes into... Oh, so it's interesting, right? So chaos and order. um, The mother grizzly? 
The mother grizzly. Is that what you're going to go into? Will destroy you. Well, I was going to say that when it comes to like mating, right? And in, in the hierarchy. In the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom. Or are you talking about the real kingdom? The the people kingdom? The the kingdom of God. Oh, I thought you were talking. Oh, I'll, I'll, sorry. I'll, I'll shut up. No, I don't know. What are you going to say? No, no. Yeah. that it, We see it in the animal kingdom, right? That um, don't mess with the mama bear because that's a good way to get They'll yourself killed. They'll mess you up. Yeah. Boy. No, but another one that was interesting was uh, how he's saying that women have always, since the dawn of time, apparently, looking at Adam <laughs> and Eve, women have always made men self-conscious. Yeah, that's awoken. what I was going to say. Okay, yeah. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I, 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 I lost just... my thought already. <laughs> no, but you were going to, no. You're, you're saying what I was going to say it poorly anyway, so. No, we don't say anything poorly around here. It might be the poor man's show. <laughs> but poor, we don't say the poor man's show, but we don't do that. <laughs> no, but he says that the chaos is essentially the female choosiness. Yeah. The females, because they're, they have this power to procreate and to bring forth life that men don't. That's probably going to get me in trouble later, but. Um, <laughs> what do you mean men can have kids too? <laughs> How dare you? No, so he's saying, um, this is just one of the things he threw out there in the book. He says, on average, this is looking at just on average, all human history. On average, all women have had one child Mm. and only half of all men have had two children. Right. So So women are picky. Very picky. Because we've seen in rule one, um, men just aren't good enough. Right? Well, or did he say in here too? I I think so, but I'm laughing because that's one of the things. Oh, that, here we go. Yeah. Okay. It is for this reason that women on dating sites rate 85% of men as below average in attractiveness. I thought he said that rule, rule one. Isn't that brutal? So both of us are not attractive. Well, but I, I think people just, people just need to be honest. Be right. honest, right? Stop, stop, uh, stop stating the facts, bro. Because I mean, I, okay, I'll look at it this way, I guess, too. Settling in a relationship, you're not being honest with yourself. Do you think people settle? I think some might. Why do you think they settle? For they have various reasons. I don't know. No, that, but why do you think? I don't know. I didn't settle. No, but what? Why would you think someone would settle? I married up, bro. <laughs> I know I did. So why did she settle? <laughs> Because I went up to her and I told her, Here's God, told, God told me to dream that you were going to marry me. Dang. No, I didn't do that. That's, <laughs> but that has been done before. Has it really? Yeah, of course. I would have never, because I didn't. God, people have used God to conquer other people. Do you think some guy is not going to use that line because he's rated with low average on the dating <laughs> website? He's the, he's the 25% or the 15%, whatever oh, Christian Mingle? You don't think he used <laughs> that Christian <line>? Mingle. <laughs> God told me we were meant to be together. No, that but is I mean, a, a tricky, no, tricky. But it's, but it's true though. Like, I can't believe someone would do that. Look at okay, just this is why marriage is just not a thing to take for granted or a thing to not look into. People, yeah, look into it deeply, because, strongly. <laughs> because essentially, what you're telling a woman is. You know, if you're, they're both, if both parties are looking for marriage or, or seeking it out, 
the man's making himself, he's putting himself out there by saying, look, I can provide this, you know, X, Y, and Z. And he's got to prove it, you know, and the woman has to see, see it for what it is. And either this guy's approval, uh, it's approved or he's not approved. It's right. Not, it's not that, you know, it's really not that complicated, but it is complicated. Oh, it's it's order within chaos within something chaos like, within order. Something like that. I I think we're we're talking about that. I think we discuss we're discussing that. I, I don't know. So. Are we on topic? No, I don't know anymore. Who knows? Because <laughs> this is very chaotic. This is a very chaotic podcast. I'll tell you that right now. But no, it, that's true though, isn't it? That's the truth. That's not a fact. I well, okay. I'll just see it. I'll just say it like this. I see it as. Women have a lot more power than they actually realize. I think they do realize it. I don't think they do. Well, they still are selecting us, and they think eighty five percent of us are ugly. Okay, because okay, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: because this is how my wife kind of put it to me that there's there's a woman for every man and every type of man, because we see this in the in the in the state prison and jail system, right? That people get men, a lot of men get married in while they're in jail, while they're incarcerated, but you don't see the opposite. It's not a stereotype that wait, what? Like as in they were dating prior to sometimes. Yes. Sometimes no. What do you know? Is there any like stats on this? Like we have to look into it. Oh, look into it. Oh, okay. If you've ever visited a jail or prison, who are the people visiting these men? Women. Women and children. And children. It's rarely other men. So? so what, I'm, what I'm saying with, with respects to my wife. My wife? My wife? Is that there's a, a woman for every man, but there's not a man for every woman because women are picky. Or they're pickier. That's so true. Oh, I see what you're saying. So at a, at a prison what? where it's primarily men... Women are going in. There are still women who will be willing to marry them. They're not part of that 85% that we just mentioned that right. they, they discriminate. But if it's women in prison, men aren't going out and marrying these women. No. What? What? Yeah, women do have a lot of power. Not going to lie. They do. Not only can they create life, but they decide who gets to who create gets life. Who gets to create life with yes, them. That's exactly right. If that's not the most important job in the world, I don't know what is. Okay, that's what Joe Rogan was saying with uh, Douglas Murray. Yeah, recently. I totally agree. But that was an excellent point. Where he was like, I was like, yes. Let's not lower women by saying that. Oh well, it's because a woman hasn't been president, and they're just obviously they're speak, specifically talking about the U.S. because other women have been presidents in other countries, right? But what he's saying is. Being a mom, who's saying that being a mom is not the, one of the most important jobs or the most important job in the world where you're, you're actually creating life within your body and then your, Feeding own, your own body can feed that very life. Yeah. Apart from any guy. Right. Literally, we're just in like, the side, on the sidelines. Yeah, and this is just, She's quarterback and receiver. This chaos and order we're just taking for granted. We are very much. We, I think that's I, like I'm glad you brought that up because it just now that I've gone through that whole process and and, and still continue to go through that process, the the amount of disrespect that's out there against women who decide to have children, and yeah, why? 
I don't know. Because not, not every. I haven't looked into it. Not every, <laughs> even with amongst men, right? Not everybody's cut out to be a CEO, billionaire. Nor is that the most valuable thing in life to be doing, anyways, right? right? But what I'm saying is like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm saying it's like a really demanding job. You know, somebody working 16 hours a day, like very little, very few people are cut out for that, and very little, very or very few people, I should say, actually want that kind of life. Right. It's very, very taxing. You're talking about like 80, 90 hours a week, right? The amount. I'm just saying like most people are not like that. Right. They're not not built like that. It's funny. My wife says that um, um, feeding her, our our child is the hardest thing she's ever done in her life. Even beyond giving birth. There you go. She says when she goes back, when she goes into work that, "Eh, this is nothing. So... That tells you a lot. She's a mama bear. She took over, you know, that chaos and that order. She did that. She conquered that. And mucho respect. Mucho take it easy, man. I don't know. Well, I mean, okay, they'll speak. I don't know, know why. That, that, why, is, you know, why is it that Mother's Day is such a big deal? It's a very Father's big Day. deal. Yeah. I mean, d- definitely respect to the fathers. I mean, especially if, if you don't leave your children. S- children, right? Family your family then very much respect to that too because there's a lot of responsibility that men have to take on because why it's the first year i believe right why are you laughing bro i'm reading the lie that that peter said hold on real quick oh. 41 the middle of 41 it is woman as nature who looks at half of all men and says no <laughs> that's, it. that's it just no <laughs> wrong you're fired. You're fired. Yeah, that's exactly what happens all the time. And so no wonder men are so tentative or, or, or what is it? They're so not willing to go out to a woman, right? Like in the, when you're in the dating scene, you're like so hesitant to like, oh, go talk to her, dude. And, you know, I'm with your buddies and stuff. You're like, oh, she looks pretty and whatnot. But you're so hesitant because you know if she says no, you know that she's going to say no. More than likely than not. See, and this is a. This but is a, there's nothing wrong with getting said no. No, but that's the thing too, though. That men, in one way or another, have to learn. Right? You have to learn to be rejected because it is humbling. And like you, and like uh, Peterson is saying, like you have to learn. You have to learn to to move forward. Right. And what that what that no is telling you is that you're not good enough to hurt specifically, perhaps. But also, what are you doing to maybe, I don't know, change your 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 attire? Maybe the way you're dressing isn't you know attractive, or you're you want to weigh, uh, gain or lose weight. I don't know. What right. are you doing? Did you brush your teeth for the day or something? You know, to kind of help um, men out. Right, because it don't like, that betters men. Right, not that it can't better women, but. In essence, uh, that's bringing us to the reality. Like, like you're saying, you're not good enough, or you have to do better. It's the it's kind of the same, or similar role, I should say, that the that the judgmental father also brings in. But there's this old, this is old uh, anecdote or joke from a sports writer called Bill Simmons, and he's like, "Could you, could you imagine if women were NFL starting quarterbacks?" And the backup quarterback, 
You know, like you're doing like let's say one week the the quarterback's doing bad and she has to get benched. But then, you know, the next week the guy that or the quarterback that took her place gets hurt and then it's like, "Okay, hey, you get your job back. Go ahead and go go ahead and do it." Like women just weren't built that way. They're, they're to be rejected in that sense where it's like you weren't good enough and now you have to go back and do this. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, right. Where it's like with with the quarterback, the mentality is like you need to brush it off. Like you right. threw that interception, you did that fumble, move in, forward. In baseball, you you let go of the the pitch too quickly or what have you, and now it's a home run. Yeah, you have to brush it off and you have to keep going. So you're, what you're saying is that men have been dealing with rejection that in some sense we've become accustomed to it, whereas like women being the selector, the one that's, that's the not denier, their, that's not their role. To be rejected, to be set up that way. Right. right. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. So so if it was the female quarterback, then... Because he's saying the, the, the joke with the writer was... The joke is the, the the quarterback that got benched would be like, oh, so now you need me. <laughs> what happened to your other quarterback? I thought that quarterback was good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Bring up the past. <laughs> Basically. Basically. I remember when you did this. Yeah, yeah. I remember when you said that. Like there's, a, you know, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. We need you out there. <laughs> we actually do need you. Oh, now you need. Oh, now me. you need me. Yeah, you didn't need me. Yeah, you didn't need me last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's a joke, people. It's a joke. <laughs> We're gonna make it through this. Don't worry. No, but that's right. Like you're saying, that's that's uh, that's really essentially that's how it works. As far as the dynamics between men and you know men and women, right? And it's not to say that women don't deal with rejection. Go through that, right. right? Right. I mean, especially as we as more more and more women were have been and and are entering the workforce, that's something they they deal with also, right? Like the rejection right. of not getting the job or um, maybe failing at a task or what have you. Whereas um, raising children is very different, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no real failure in that, in a sense. You can't, it's almost like, you know, failure proof in a sense, because women were, you know, we might, we might be anti-PC on this, we're, de- we're designed or created to care for children. It's innate within them, you know, on a general level. They're so ha- They're having to handle the roller coaster emotions of a small child. Right. The demands. That's that's not easy, right? Not that men can't. It's just that, you know, women, they're... I was talking to Grace over the weekend, and I'm like... Just over the weekend? You haven't seen her all weekend? I haven't seen her since. Oh, man. That's, so that's, we were like... Or I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's just that women are... I guess within that whole re- rejection thing with, with relationships is that women are so much more in tune with their emotions so that that's mm-hmm. why right with, with oh yeah we look at um pre-adolescence you look at how <laughs> girls mature not just physically but emotionally mentally they're way ahead of boys at that time we're just dopes yeah. for like many years right it just, it takes it takes so much longer for boys to catch up it's it's it takes a lot of the physical interactions for us to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, when boys fight, when they, you know, get hurt, when they when they do things rather than feel 
the emotions of talking it the out. moment and talking it out. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, the maturing of, of boys is more physical. I'm going to prove that I'm better at you because I run faster. Right, or I throw something throw, or yeah. hit something or build something. Right. And it's not that women don't do it either, but at a greater um, level, men do that. Young boys do that. And it's, and it's it's just the way it is. It's just, I don't know how we can break out of that, really, unless you want to create a different reality and think that everyone else should live that reality. Well, then, good luck with that, bro. Well, wasn't, was it Peterson? They were discussing on studies of small children and how boys do gravitate towards, you know. Things. Toy trucks, toy yeah. trains, and airplanes or what have you because they like action so they like things that have wheels that move that you know whereas girls are more um aesthetic not aesthetic they look for more things that are aesthetically pleasing like beauty and art or you know a pretty doll or whatever something that they can like look at and that has eyes, right? A little doll has eyes so that they can, they're mm. making a connection. Right. They're looking at something that they can take care of. Oh, I can dress this one up or I can, you know, put makeup on this one. I can give this one a house, a bed, what have you. That's why they play, right? That's why they play tea time. I don't think a lot of boys play tea time. I mean, if they do, they're very high culture. <laughs> they're part of a book club? They're part of a book club. They're listening to a book review? They're listening to a book review currently. <laughs> and you better be drinking green green tea. Green tea. Good God. No, it's interesting. Like, the, the way we regulate our emotions, right? It's very different, right? I think for boys, it's like the external regulation versus internal, whereas young girls, it's internal versus external. Mm-hmm. Right, the validation for boys comes from 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 others, but parents and whatnot. Where I think when young girls can self, um, what is it called? Self soothe. Self soothe in a sense, yeah, because the maturity is there. The understanding. The understanding, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know how true that is, or if I'm just blowing. No, it makes sense. Blowing steam out girls, of my ears. Girls are more mentally or emotionally. Uh, literate for sure I guess little way to put it yeah that's interesting that we got into this yeah i know i took it we took a turn here yeah that's okay it's an it's important topic because it's 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 all in all up in here that we have to we have to contend with one another and I, I think that's the thing right like there was a post that he had recently that you know do you want do you want a yes man or do you want someone who's going to contend with you that's going to challenge you that's going right. to tell you when you're wrong that you know do you want do you want it to be easy or do you want it to be challenging and interesting because that's what makes really bad dictators right right the dictators Every, or a bad ceo yeah they want yes they want yes men to be challenged is to is to is to get your is to have your preconceived notions challenged and your ideas challenged mm-hmm. because again right we're not we're not sufficient enough we're not good enough on our own it's the collective in a sense and in, in a good way right with those that we that we interact with not collectivizing but the the culture right the the society the the network that we interact with is what's going to regulate 
you know, how we act, how we think. Not that we don't think independently or, or whatnot or have our own values and whatnot, but it's important to be able to, you know, iron sharpen iron um, and, and have a conversation because without that, then how are we going to, to kind of hopefully connect it all is how we're going to treat ourselves like someone responsible for helping if we're not interacting with other people out in the world, right? Because we can be all like disheveled and, you know, not taking care of ourselves. And that's really going to affect the people around us Mm -hmm. as much as it's affecting us. So I think that's important is that we are, we're treating ourselves the golden rule, right? We're treating others as we would like to be treated. We are our brother's keeper. We are in the same way that we, we are in, and taking care of one another in our, in in the relationships that we're in. Oh, I was going to bring that, uh, that, that, this is why I was bringing this up for my wife and I, we decided to work on ourselves, right? The quote, work on ourselves and look within ourselves to figure out how to better ourselves as people, which in turn, which in consequence helped us to be better as a couple Mm. because we wanted to treat ourselves like someone responsible for helping because we wanted to be a better <clears throat> individual as a couple we were able to improve the relationship it wasn't looking at the other person and finding value from from them it was finding value within ourselves it was finding the that inner spark of divinity if you will mm-hmm. to be able to um better develop that relationship to mature and grow it and move it forward because otherwise we would have, um, how do you say jeopardize or how do you say that? Like kind of like, um, did things to jeopardize the relationship. How would you say that? You didn't, you didn't want to set yourselves up for failure or you didn't want to compromise, compromise. Yeah. What, what your relationship is actually sabotage. We didn't want to sabotage. Yeah. Sabotage. What is necessary for a functional or a good relationship to work. Right. Right. Cause you could do that when, especially looking at finding the validation from the other person. Right. Yeah. So quickly, this is leading me towards Ephesians five, right? About the instructions of how a husband not to love his wife. Do you know where I'm going? Yes. I think so. I think I, I have it. a vague idea. Uh, Ephesians 5.28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Mm-hmm. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So, I mean, in reality, if you, that's, okay, I guess, another I think we talked about it. Another way to look at it is, how can you? How can you possibly... I said that really weird. I, I totally. How can you? <laughs> you said it so. <laughs> how can you go and go over there? <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't let it go. It's getting too late, folks. <laughs> no. So, how is it possible for you to care for others if you don't know how to take care of yourself? Right. 
Because if you don't know how to take care of yourself, then you don't know what you're doing when it comes to a baby, when it comes to somebody else, a significant other, a parent, an elderly parent, whatever. Like if you're if you've been selfish your whole life and the day comes where, yeah, I guess what? There's nobody else around that needs to take care of mom and dad. Then you're in for a rude awakening. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad this full. I'm glad we got here. It came, came it, it, full circle. Yep, we did. We did it. We, we landed did the airplane. Yes, I was gonna say we were landing this conversation. I'm so glad because we were just up there, and I don't know where we, we had no GPS. There was too much chaos. There was a lot of chaos. Do you know there was just too much chaos? <laughs> Do you know the two feet? Two feet in the chaos, no order. Do you know Ming? Five is gay. No, pues. No, pues. Sí, como no, como que no. So, so we're, we're going to get hit by the the no ma'am. You know what no ma'am is? No. The old uh, Al Bundy Married with Children Club. It was the national organization against, uh, no. You're losing national, me. National organization of men against Amazonian masterhood. What? <laughs> In the world, <laughs> saying they're going to go after us for the 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 man and, and women comments, and they're going to go after us for the making fun of the Latinos. <laughs> Everybody's going to go after us. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. It's a pores show. Oh, we're making fun of the pores too. <laughs> it's this is whose lines it at? whose line is it anyways? Where the points are what the questions are the answers are made up and the points don't matter. How's it? I forgot who they said it. <laughs> Show. That was a great show. I think it's still on. It is, but it's not the same. No. I think Drew, honestly, even though he's kind of weird on Prices Right. Anywho, making all that money. Yeah, making all the money. He's not doing anything. What is he doing? Just talking. Bob Barker, <laughs> come on, bro, get out of come out of retirement. It's time. Is he alive? <laughs> no, he's alive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't feel bad. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. I don't. RBG. R.I.P. <laughs> Why are you laughing so much? It's the way you said it, your look. <laughs> Should we land this conversation? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we get like, the, you know how the storms comes and the plane kind of like gets back up and it's oh, like, no, oh, we can't land. No, no, not yet. <laughs> We're not ready. The wheels, are, the wheels aren't open. <laughs> We're not down. Oh man! Why did you bring up RG? I don't know because you said don't speak ill of the dead, and she's not alive anymore. She's not. I mean, she lived a great life. Apparently, I, I was not very familiar with her, so much respect. Welp, as the Babylon Bee said, Welp, Welp. So, as we uh, were trying to uh, piece all the uh, connect all the pieces. We got lost. So what we were saying was, as Ephesians says, that man or husband should treat his wife as... What? I lost it. Point is, it's important to build the self, the being within yourself, right? To establish that, concretize who you are, know who you are, so that when you are in a relationship with someone else, you can treat them with the utmost respect and honor because you've treated yourself with the utmost respect and honor. It's a very simple equation here. 
And I think a lot of times um, that's what happens, right? That's when Rogan talks about people who were, um, what? People who were hurt, hurt others. I don't know how true that is. I'm sure there's some truth to that. And the sense that we feel, you know, that we've been um, harmed in some fashion. Well, we want to lash out and harm others. Peterson, at the later end of this uh, chapter, he's going to say, only man will inflict suffering for the sake of suffering. Mm, There you go. Yep. So. Or humans have a great capacity for wrongdoing. Is it any wonder we have a hard time caring for ourselves and others? Yeah, I feel like we didn't even get to all that. There's a, lot, there's a lot here, friend. Oh, man. As Jung points out, this means embracing and loving the sinner who is yourself as much as forgiving and aiding someone else who is stumbling and imperfect. He does go into relationships. Yeah. If I am someone's friend, family member, or lover, then I am morally obligated to bargain as hard on my own behalf as they are on theirs. If I fail to do so, I will end up a slave and the other person a tyrant. What good is that? It is much better for any relationship when both. It is much better for any relationship when both partners are strong. Yeah, we got to all that. Oh, we're fine. What about it? It is far better to render beings in your care competent, competent, than to protect them. Right. That's the part. I love what he says here. Um, as God Himself claims, and uh, so goes the story. Vengeance is mine; I will repay, saith the Lord. Right. It says, according to this philosophy, you do not simply belong to yourself. You are not simply your own possession to torture and mistreat. This is partly because your being is inexorably tied up with that of others and your mistreatment of yourself can have catastrophic consequences for others. He talks about suicide, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this all ties together. I don't know why we thought we were lost. I don't know. It feels like sometimes we get lost, though. Maybe it's just a simulation. We're all in just a simulation, bro. Our, uh, the game, the gamers are just laughing away at us, huh? While they're playing their 2K? Their Sims. Or uh, what is it, Call of Duty? Call of Duty. I got you, bro. It happens. <laughs> no, you're talking about relationship. And and I. one of the things I highlighted, highlighted was how could the nature of man ever reach its full potential without challenge or danger? That's kind of one of the, the things I tell my my uh, younger friends and relatives that are that are married mm-hmm. or in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I tell them, and I, I know somebody else says it or puts it a different way, but I essentially tell them, if you're not fighting, are you really married? Or are you right. really like in a relationship with this person? Because isn't that one of the things that they say that a healthy relationship, there's going to be fights? Right. Like a healthy Isn't that do- ironic? A healthy dose of... I mean, it has it can't be like really extreme or like an everyday thing, I guess. But you're saying like a healthy relationship is... is There are going to be fights because you're you're essentially... You're fighting because you both still care. Why is that funny? <laughs> it reminded me of... I forget what it was, like a meme or something that said... Something on my marriage about how like I didn't... Re- or was it pregnancy? The guy said, I didn't realize I could put the milk in the fridge wrong or something like that. Like, <laughs> like something like that. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there was a wrong way to put the put the milk the milk back in the fridge. Like, 
something that. Remember the the one I sent you a while ago? It was a like an elderly couple at the meat section, and the the husband is looking at into the camera with like a like a a goofy face, goofy face, or oh, not a goofy face, but just like a like a kind of a serious face, and his wife is the one picking out, you know. The uh, different cuts, I guess. And on his shirt, it says, I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he just gave up. Yep. No, but as I tell people, I'm like, come on. Is it is it really a relationship if you're not, like, fighting? It's true. You're not, like, hashing things out. Because, I mean, it's, it's a... It's a yeah, it's a challenge, but I mean, it's fun though. Like you're you're bringing these two lives together, these two different people that they have different needs, different wants, what have you. And I mean, hopefully the values are there that are similar. Right, that's the important part. That's the important part. And you're, but this is coming together, and these two lives are becoming one. Like one of the things I I tell people about um, people that don't hear me out anyway about marriage is that you really have to be about that life. You have to want to share every aspect of your life with somebody else. Right. You have to be willing and, and like we're saying, well, um, voluntarily submit to that. Like so you, what you're saying is that marriage is the Patriot Act. Patriot Act? Yeah. The, instead of the government spying on your life, it's your well, wife. It's your wife. Well, if things are done... <laughs> like, yeah, because well, you've got to know, right? Share, you guys are both sharing, yeah. You're naked to one another. Right. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah. So it's like everything about yourself at some point will be exposed. Like in, like in Spanish, there's there's a saying. I'm going to botch it if I try it in Spanish, but I'll say it in English. Do you says, know? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Uh, it says or that goes, when you're dating pre-marriage, you need to, you need to have your eyes wide open. You need to point out everything that you agree with or just don't. Speaking of women that are picky, right? <laughs> you're going to see everything. But once you're married, you need to close your eyes. Whoa. Because. How, how does it say in Spanish? I, I'm gonna, I don't want to say it because I'm going to botch it. I'm That's gonna, okay. No, I'm not going to say it. Because <laughs> I'm going to get the words wrong and it's going to be mistranslated. And, that's gonna be a completely my, my Mexicanness or lack thereof. Yeah, I don't know anything in Spanish. No, but I mean it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, don't complain after you're married because it's your fault that you weren't paying attention, right? Beforehand. I see. Well, there's another one too, right? So that, it's so in sense like it's it's kind of like what goes along with that other saying that women get married hoping they can change a man. Or a man gets married hoping that she won't change. Oh, snaps. You never heard that one? No. Okay, well, good. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead with that one. <laughs> but it makes sense. So, yeah, women get married thinking they can change the man. Men get married thinking that... Hoping the wo- they won't change. The woman won't change. Hoping the woman won't change. Wow. Wow. That's a lot, a lot to think about. Because a lot changes, right? A lot changes, especially you're, with the children. You're presenting yourself a certain way when you're dating. You have a, a certain mask on, and you're presenting your best your best side. Right, you have to, the right? The best that you have to offer, you're putting your best foot forward. I'm not saying you can't do that in marriage, but it's a lot easier to sit around in pajamas after a long, long, hard day at work. Yeah. You know? 
that's why like dates dates are so important to go on as couples and try to keep the romance there because well that's yeah and that's why like people like Willard Harley you know he's uh, the author of uh, his needs her needs Christian um, marriage counselor that's why he's going to say it's important I believe um, others also have alluded to this that when you're courting when you're dating somebody you should spend a lot of time in their in in their homes how do they react to mom and dad how do they treat them what do they mm. do at the home like how they treat your family or their I should say their family is probably the way that they're going to treat you yeah i heard of um, something similar in terms of like like especially you know how the man treats his mom is probably close it's, to how he's going to treat his wife it's telling yeah, very telling. So it's it's the same idea, right? Like how they are with their family. Right. Oh, man, this is hard. Life is hard, huh? That's why you, you know, you were given a partner. I was given a helpmate. Thank you, God. Cuz you weren't you weren't intended to do this on your own. At least most Sometimes people. she's a helpmate, sometimes she's a hurt me. <laughs> she's a hurt me. <laughs> she's a hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where we cry. Anyways. So I'm no. telling you, man, it's not, you're not living in a relationship if you can't fight. You have to fight almost, right? But not for like petty things either. I mean, you, you kind of do. They might seem petty, but they could be like a big deal later on. See, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Is anything petty? Mm-hmm. Is anything really petty? Is, doesn't Peterson say that too later on? I think so. About if if you see a dragon and it's threatening your town, you're better off going to the to the dragon's lair. And and dealing, dealing with it when it's not a big problem. It's not attacking the town. Right. So the question is, is anything petty? Well, if you watch Seinfeld, then yes. Then everything's petty, bro. <laughs> well, Lee, I don't know what we did today. It was fun, though. It was really fun. I enjoyed myself. I... Um, I think there's a lot there that I'm I'm very appreciative because there was a lot of things that I even I feel like I was like in counsel uh, couples counseling. I had a lot of things written down that I did not even look down to um, point out. But it's okay. That's why we do the thing that we do. Just take care of yourselves, people. It's important, especially right now. COVID. Especially right now. Get out there in the sun. I know. Take your vitamins. Very. I do take um. Boost that immune system. I take um. What is it like? The vitamins, the multivitamins mm-hmm. from Costco, and then I take um, flaxseed oil as well, as a mm-hmm. both in pill form. I'm a pill popper, bro, and uh, I do that every morning because uh, good for you, good for the heart, and good for the soul. Yes, take eating, uh, exercise, you know, all those good things, grooming, and you know, I know we're inside a lot, but the way you dress makes a difference. Don't just be in your pajamas all day. Yeah, it'd be clean, easy to clean do your that. room. Do a little cleaning. Yeah, that'd be important. Right, vacuum, right. It's very, it's very, um, it's very easy to take take care of your domain, if you will, then try to get into other people's domains and try to fix those domains. Well, that's why that's why he says that, right? Get your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. It's a lot easier. Again, it's a lot easier to help others once you've helped yourself. Right. Yep. It's the. Uh, you have a frame of reference. You have, you've, you've successfully done a thing 
that you can now, right? It's um, for our football culture that I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I haven't done myself. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of idea and principle. So, as the rule says, treat yourself as though, no, treat yourself as though you're somebody, you're taking care of somebody else. Nope, that's no. totally wrong. That's totally wrong. What? Let's get this wrong. Okay, here we go. Rule two. This from two Rules for Life, Jordan P. Peterson. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Do not forget that. Live with that. You can read the chapter yourself. I think there's a lot of important points. Any last words, Lee? This one was fun. I didn't think it was going to be like this silly and fun, but I mean, that's just the nature of our show sometimes. We, has to get, we have to get the, the, the sillies out. So Gotta to get it. And uh, but I th- yeah, I think this was very helpful. Like I said, I love going through this book again and that being actually to share right, share the review with somebody else and sharing our notes. And now we're sharing it with our two moms that listen to us. Thank you, mom. <laughs> we appreciate it. We are on um, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, Amazon. I think that's all of them. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that anyone's listening to them, but we're there. But the opportunity's there. We're leaving. We're leaving it to you voluntarily to, to decide that. If you find value or find us interesting or goofy, it's all good. It's all gravy. Everyone needs a bit of a breather, right? Everybody. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of craziness going on, people. I don't know if you guys are paying attention. Yeah, and there's a lot going on this around plane, us. That. This plane needs to land already. I know it's not even October yet, but. It's the land already. I feel like the the landing site is nowhere in no, the landing. We're still in the fog. Yeah, we're very much in the fog. Oh boy, we're gonna make it through. I believe that. I'm not gonna get all bent out of shape. I can't because that's the wrong that's the wrong thing to do in this moment in these moments. Got to stay firm. Got to stay anchored. Pray. Lean on your friends and family and get a good night's rest. Yes, uh, even if you have a 10-week-old baby, you can still get some sleep. A little Just ba- try. Little baby tyrant CEO? A little, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. Talk about tyranny. <laughs> Ugh. Just like nothing else matters. You know what I mean? Like, not ugh, like, but like, ugh. Like, man, you get grinded down every day. Little baby cannot do anything for herself. Nope. But we love her. So... Treat yourself as someone responsible for helping. All right, Lee. That's a wrap. Good night, Gabriel. Good night, sir. <laughs>